<clears throat> and if you would join me in prayer. Uh, gracious God, we thank you for this day that you have made. And we ask that now, as we set aside some time to open up your scriptures, we ask that now you would speak, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would call us into this new year in a new way. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today is the last day of 2017. Tomorrow begins a whole new year. In some ways, it's a decently arbitrary designation. I mean, I was trying to explain to my daughter why it's a new year, what that actually means. Why is it tomorrow and not the next day or the last day? Why do we just pick a random day and say, this one, that's where we're marking time and then we'll go around the sun one more time. I mean, tomorrow probably won't feel all that different from today, other than the fact that I think it's supposed to be colder, which is sort of ridiculous. Um, but then again, there's something nice about hitting the reset button. Something nice about having the excuse to have a new beginning. There's something nice about hopefully being able to take a, a moment or two, a day or two, and look back at what was and look ahead to what could be, to sort of take stock, if you will, to recognize if you've made any progress in this past year, and, and at the same time, what could this next year bring as we work ourselves toward, hopefully, maturity. You might have some goals that you'd like to see done in this next year. You might have some changes you'd like to make in this next year. You might have some growth that you'd like to experience in your life in this next year. But it's not just looking ahead to what could be changed. It's also a good opportunity to, to look back. I wonder in this past year, have you become more mature? Or are you simply another year older? And more importantly, are you more spiritually mature than you were last year? I find that it can be helpful to try and assess growth and maturity, not in short time frames like days and weeks, because growth is harder to see in the short term. Maturity just lives on a longer timeline than that. That said, sometimes you can see a, a growing depth when you compare today to a year ago. From last January to today, have you grown more spiritually mature? Because I think at the end of the day, this is part of the goal of our faith. And that we're growing in depth and maturity, not just growing chronologically. Of course, growing in maturity is difficult. It takes time. It takes work. It takes continuity, consistency, change. Of course, then again, all things of worth do. Eugene Peterson in his book, Practice Resurrection, writes, Maturity cannot be hurried programmed or tinkered with. There are no steroids available for growing up in Christ more quickly. Impatient shortcuts land us in the dead ends of immaturity. I think that's why maturity is so hard. There are no silver bullets, no quick fixes, no magic cures. In fact, 
Two, trying to short-circuit the process often short-circuits any actual growth at all. And so as we think about becoming more mature, as we try and self-assess, I guess the questions are, are you growing in, in your knowledge of the faith? Have you grown in your knowledge of the faith? Do you know more than you did a year ago? Are you growing in your relationship with God, with your attitudes towards Him, your closeness with Him? Do you seem to know Him better? Are you growing in your obedience? Are you serving Him in your actions better this year than last year? I think these build upon each other. There's, there, there's knowledge about the faith, then there's actually a relationship with God, and then there's actual serving God, acting on behalf of your beliefs, of your faith, of your relationship. I wonder if you would be interested in growing more mature in your faith in this next year. I wonder what that could take. I wonder if the Holy Spirit could help. As we think about that, I will remind you that today we finish our year focusing on the Holy Spirit. We have studied the attributes and the character of the Holy Spirit. We have talked about spiritual gifts and spiritual disciplines. We have seen how the Holy Spirit fills us up and then sends us out. And we've even seen how the Holy Spirit can grow us more mature. As we come to the end of this year studying the Holy Spirit, one of the things that I've learned and, and even been surprised by is how consistent the Holy Spirit is throughout the Scriptures. I feel like I've come to, to know and, and, and better able to recognize the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit all around me. And here's what I mean by that. As I read the Old and New Testament, I can't help but come away with a clear and consistent picture of the person of God the Father. He is always gloriously holy, graciously powerful, gracefully loving, through and through. From Genesis to Revelation, He's always the same, which makes it easier to know Him and trust Him. Throughout the Scriptures, Jesus is incredibly consistent, compassionate and challenging, humble and focused, loving and graceful. Again, totally consistent. 100% God, 100% human. He's a, he's a person. And so it, He makes sense. But for me, the Holy Spirit, before this year, has always been more of a catch-all of God, more of a category, uh, more of a, I regret to confess this, more of like the leftovers of God to me. If something big happens, it was God the Father. If something happened that Jesus did, well, that was God the Son. And if anything else happened, especially if it was weird, must be the Spirit. I don't know what those things are. I don't, I'm not comfortable with what those things are. I don't normally recognize what those things are. But if it's not God the Father and not God the Son, it must be the Spirit. That understanding has changed this year. Because the person of the Holy Spirit is amazingly consistent too. The Holy Spirit is the one who ushers in Jesus, points people toward God. The Holy Spirit is always the one who empowers and gifts the people of God and then sends them out to be Jesus in the world all the time. 
The Holy Spirit helps us grow deeper in our relationship with God, clarifying who God is, praying on our behalf, and helping us get to know God better. In fact, throughout even this Christmas series, which we're also finishing today, I've tried to connect each of these Holy Spirit sermons to one of the Holy Spirit sermon series that we studied earlier this year. Kind of as a review, a reminder, a recap of where we've been throughout the year. And I've been shocked if not, and surprised at how easy it has been because the Holy Spirit is so consistent. If you see Him working in one way now, you've probably seen Him doing similar things in the past, and probably similar things will happen in the future. He's always doing the same kinds of things throughout the Scriptures, whether in Acts or in the Christmas story or even in the Old Testament. Today is no different. Today we will be reminded of one of the roles that the Holy Spirit is always involved in, the role of anointing. In fact, we did a whole sermon series about this in the spring on anointing. We talked about Samuel a whole bunch. And in that series, we talked about how we as Christians should probably be living differently than our non-Christian neighbors and co-workers. We should probably have different goals and different priorities. We should probably do different things in different ways because God is in us. We at the time read 2 Corinthians every week where it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership upon us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You see, we have been anointed, sealed, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and so we should probably live like it. Today we end the Christmas story, and we will see a similar thing happening here as well. So if you would, I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Luke 2:22. It says this, when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons." Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. Our passage today begins with the parents of Jesus taking him to the temple to be consecrated to the Lord. This is something that's explained in the Old Testament, and so Jesus' parents are faithfully doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And that's when a man named Simeon, who's been filled with the Holy Spirit and who's been granted discernment and clarity through the Holy Spirit, shows up, and he takes the baby and he starts praising God and prophesying. Somehow Simeon, through the work of the Holy Spirit, recognizes that he's holding salvation in his arms. He recognizes that Jesus has been part of God's plan all along, and he recognizes that Jesus will be a light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. That said, just as an aside, don't miss also the weirdness of this encounter either. I mean, this would be like a young family bringing their newborn to the church so we could baptize them, when all of a sudden someone from the congregation stands up, walks over, takes the child, and starts praying and praising God and prophesying about who this child is and will be. And at the same time, somehow everyone just knows that what that person is saying is from the Holy Spirit, so we're all just kind of fine with that. that that's weird, right? Anyway, when Simeon's done, he turns then to Mary and Joseph, who are probably expectantly waiting for their child back, and he blesses them too. Then an old prophetess named Anna comes forward, and she also adds her praise, thanksgiving, and prophecy in. Then the family goes home. And Jesus grows and becomes strong, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. A newborn baby growing in maturity. Two, let's call them senior adults, growing in maturity. Not to mention two parents somewhere in between growing in maturity as well. As we look for and look towards the Holy Spirit in our story, we again see Him doing all the same kinds of things that the Holy Spirit always does. What's more, I think there are also things that we may want in our lives in this new year as well, as we strive to grow in maturity. The Holy Spirit gives us a, a clear knowledge of God, and of ourselves for that matter, and of the world. Clear knowledge of God. 
The Holy Spirit brings us deeper into relationship with God, changing our attitudes, changing our priorities, changing our focus. The Holy Spirit moves us to serve God in our actions, helping us be more obedient. In some ways, the Holy Spirit makes us, helps us become more spiritually mature. As 2017 comes to a close, as we begin 2018, I wonder how much of our lives would be different in this new year with the Spirit's help if we had a clearer knowledge of God, a deeper relationship with God, and if we could actively and would actively serve God more. In other words, I wonder how our lives would be different in 2018 if we were to grow maturer in our faith. Let's start with how the Holy Spirit grants Simeon clearer knowledge. Again, this is still the end of the Christmas story, and again we see the Holy Spirit filling someone. Though this time it's not someone related to Jesus, this time it's someone totally different, and yet the Holy Spirit fills Simeon in order to help point people to the arrival of Jesus. We saw this at some point on Christmas Eve, but the Holy Spirit is always the one who helps usher in Jesus. And therefore, He wants to make sure that everyone knows what it is that He's doing, wants to know that this baby is special, that God is doing something new through this child, that God is present in a new way. And so the Holy Spirit points people towards Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to make sure that no one misses this. And so he fills different people up and helps them know and see just what's happening, who this Jesus really is. This is why the Holy Spirit gives Simeon special knowledge prior to his encounter with Jesus. In some ways, you can almost think about this like the Holy Spirit is a magnifying and clarifying lens to help us understand things better, to learn more about God, and to see the world clearer. Somehow the Holy Spirit grants us more perspective, more breadth, more clarity than we ever had before. Somehow the Holy Spirit takes our effort and makes it more than it could ever be on its own. I wonder as we approach this new year how the Holy Spirit might help us grow in our knowledge of the faith. And then through that lens, help us see everything more clearly. I wonder if that would be something that would enhance your life in this next year. Of course, that will take some work on our part. Rarely is this something that just happens as we are passively waiting. More often than not, we need to actually engage in what we're trying to learn, what we're trying to study. We need to prioritize the Spirit in our lives. I wonder what may need to change in our lives in this next year so that we grow in the knowledge of God. Of course, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. Because Simeon is then moved by the Spirit to go into the temple and see Jesus. It's worth noting that the Holy Spirit moves Simeon towards Jesus. 
Again, this is kind of a consistent thing for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always is moving us toward Jesus. Not just pointing, but now actually moving us toward Jesus. Because it's not enough to simply know a lot about God. The knowledge has to go deeper. It has to get inside of us. It should change us. It should change our perspective, change our priorities, change our attitudes. The goal isn't simply to know a lot about God. The goal is to know God and to be known by God. In some ways, the Holy Spirit needs to stir us out of our slumber, make us uncomfortable with our apathy, return our focus back to God, which then allows us to know God in a new way. Because as it turns out, it can become too easy to get stuck in a rut, even in our faith. It can be too easy to simply stop paying attention. Too easy to not care anymore. And this is why the Holy Spirit fills us up. This is why sometimes the Holy Spirit has to breathe new life into us. This is why the Holy Spirit reconnects us with God. And while that begins with learning about God, it then needs to move on towards relationship where we're actually trusting God, relying on God, knowing God better. I wonder in this new year, what are some ways that you can strive to grow closer to God, nearer to God, that you can bring God into your life in new life-giving ways? I wonder how our lives would be fuller and richer and more vibrant if we were more connected with God. And then I wonder what may need to change in this new year that we might grow in our relationship with God. Then the Holy Spirit moves Simeon into action. Over and over again, we've seen the Holy Spirit engaging people into action, filling them up, sending them out. And here again, the same thing happens Simeon knows that it's time to go into the temple so that he can be on the lookout for what he's been waiting for, and he goes. It strikes me, because this implies an openness in Simeon. He's able to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Simeon prioritizes the Holy Spirit in his life. He's created the space or the silence so that he can hear the promptings of God and then respond. He is obedient to follow when he feels the Holy Spirit inviting him to go. Now at first glance, this doesn't seem all that remarkable for someone in the Bible. And yet, maybe this, more than most things, is the reason that Simeon's in the Bible. Maybe this responsiveness, this openness to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. How willing are we to change what we're doing if God wants us to be doing something different? How important is God and God's will in your life when you have your own plans as well? Or I guess we could get at this another way. If someone were to look at your life in this past year, if someone was watching you this past year, what would they conclude about your general priorities in life? And are those the things you want to be known for? If you're like me, you may see a, 
a divide there between who I aspire to be and who I've recently been. Sure, sure, I want to be deeply spiritual and I want to be responsive to God in my life, but I don't actually always prioritize the things or person of God enough actually to make that a reality. I don't give God the space and silence in my life to move me. I don't always remember that to become the person I want to be takes consistency and faithfulness and action. In our passage, as much as it's amazing that the Holy Spirit moves Simeon, it's equally amazing that Simeon allows himself to be moved. Simeon is willing to act on behalf of God to serve God by blessing others. And again, this is often the kind of thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit invites us to join Him in. In some ways, I feel like a, a, a broken record at this point in the sermon. For those of you who don't know, a record was like a Blu-ray, but bigger. And it, it skipped because it'd have a little scratches and stuff. Um, again, the, the continual work of the Holy Spirit is always... A, a work that seems to be aiming outward. This amazing Holy Spirit power and life always seems to manifest when the person is working to bless someone else. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are always outward facing for the strengthening or edifying of the church or for service to the world, service to our neighbors. So don't be surprised if you find yourself growing closer to God and you also then have this feeling like I need to be serving more, blessing others more. If you feel your focus aiming outward more. If you feel new life in you that then sends you outward. Because the work of God is often that, in that direction. In this new year, as we work on these things, we know that the Holy Spirit is also working on these things inside of us. You see, the good news of this sermon is that it isn't all up to us. Goodness gracious, work at it. Absolutely work this next year on knowing God more and having a better relationship with God and serving God through your actions. But the good news is, as we've learned all this past year, the Holy Spirit is already at work in you, working on these things, filling us, maturing us. And we're invited simply to join Him in what He's already doing so that we, like Jesus, might grow and become strong as we're filled with wisdom and the grace of God upon us. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look into this next year, as we look towards what is to come, we ask that you, even now, would be sending your Holy Spirit upon us that you would fill us, that you would grant us new life, that you would call us to faithful maturity. Lord, put in us a hunger to know you more, to know you better, the discipline to, to study. But Lord, we also then pray that you would 
Help us actually know you more, that we would actually come to, to, to rely on you, trust in you, that you would grow our relationship with you. Lord, call us to prayer and worship that we might experience you better. And then finally, Lord, as the Holy Spirit fills us up, we do ask that you would send us. Send us to be a blessing. Send us to serve others. Send us to change our world. We thank you, Lord, that it's not all up to us, that it's not all up to our own strength, but, Lord, that you can fill us and that you do fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we might be changed. So we thank you, Lord. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we continue in worship.